0: by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard now here is your host with today's interview Pastor Bob Thibodeau Hello everyone everywhere pastor Robert Thibodeau
1: here welcome to the kingdom crossroads podcast today We're so blessed that you're joining us for the conclusion of a great interview with Scott Wright Scott His knowledge of the book of Revelation. He has studied this out for years and has written books about it and folks This is Astounding information He has put together The seven ages of the church That's what we've been studying about And this is the conclusion of our study On the sixth age of the church Now if you missed any of part one You need to go back and catch up Because we don't have time to recover everything And go over it all again But I hope you're taking notes Through all this If not drop down the show notes And click the links right there And get in touch with Scott And and ask your questions, download his book, subscribe to his podcast. But for right now, let's jump back into the interview and the conclusion of this interview about the Sixth Day of the Church with Scott Wright. You mentioned this was a revolution of sorts. Well, didn't that really happen already? I mean, we covered, you know, the invention of the printing press and Luther nailing the thesis to the church door and all that. What makes this a revolution?
2: Well, what makes this a revolution is that This becomes a revolution of governments, Mm. the way people are governed. It is no longer going to be about monarchies, but there's going to start being a shift to the power of the people, the power of the voice of the individual and the United States for the French revolution had just happened. Matter of fact, this prayer meeting, many call this the prayer meeting that saves Britain because Mm. the French revolution has happened. And some of that, those feelings are spreading throughout, okay, they're spreading throughout England, Mm -hmm. and they, it's kind of a sense that maybe England is on the brink of the same type of revolution that the French had had.
1: Oh, really? Wow.
2: And almost into anarchy. And this meeting, and then what comes out of this meeting, these guys preaching and all that will actually help calm that down in England. So it's going to calm that particular shift to potential anarchy yeah. in England, and then it's also going to, after it phases out the first Great Awakening phases out, it's going to give rise to the American Revolution.
1: Well,
2: it's going to be a part of that for sure. And George Whitefield, who spreads this throughout the United States and the colonies, there was other guys too. Don't get me wrong; it wasn't just him. He becomes friends with the guy that you're going to be well familiar with, and his name's Benjamin Franklin.
1: Yeah, hey, man. who
2: whose influence of independence the declaration of independence and how he helped tweak it after jefferson had wrote it and adams had been de- wanting them to declare it and pushed for that well those three guys are very instrumental obviously in that process and and benjamin franklin had been wanting this for a long time mm-hmm. he had served in london nobody knew england like he did well he knows george whitefield he has an influence on franklin for sure and you can read about their relationship also and this is important benjamin franklin's going to have a huge impact on our us constitution you know he's he's kind of the great negotiator this guy is a master ambassador maybe probably the best ambassador we've ever had in this country and it's some of that influence of george whitefield helps develop some of his idealisms And we'll also formulate and help some of the idealisms of our founding fathers, George Whitefield. And it's going to not just expand just in that time period, but across American culture. I mean, we even to some degree, even though he did hold slaves on some levels, we have to hold a debt of gratitude for civil rights that comes from George Whitefield because it's the focus on the individual rising up in the spirit of God. So while some of the people of that time period just, they just saw slavery as just something that was there. It was also his idealisms that will infiltrate into society, even with minorities. Okay. And so we have to give a debt of gratitude to George Whitefield for a lot of these things, because that that influence will carry, it will continue to carry even after the American Revolution, even after we become the United States, even after the US Constitution is formed. Yeah. And And we form under that particular, uh, uh, form our government under the U S constitution.
1: Yeah. The, you know, you mentioned that, you know, the, this meeting and took place in England and that basically, you know, could have been what saved England, you know, great Britain and all that. But I was just thinking back to what we talked about before, uh, about the church of England, you know, and the, the king being the head of the church and all that. How yes. did uh, this prayer meeting affect any of that?
2: Well, the thing is, is that obviously the the sentiment and the movement of the time, and you'd had to been there to maybe fully grasp it, but the sentiment of the movement of the time is that the people were tired of being ruled by a monarch. Okay. And so they were tired of being ruled over by, quite frankly, not only a parliament, but a parliament that was being bought by the british east indies trading company
0: mm-hmm.
2: i mean that's a lot of what was going on well this particular movement brings a different mindset to england it does i mean you you think about it you you can watch it in an individual when somebody re- truly receives christ and they have completely let it take hold in their life you see the change
1: mm-hmm. yep
2: now imagine this happen in, thousands and thousands and thousands of people across all these towns in England and in the city of London, which amen. is by far the, the most powerful and probably the most te- and the most technological advanced of that day. Yeah. Amen. So imagine that amen. the change amen. that that would have brought and then and in, in the colonies as well, because they viewed themselves as English citizens, right at that time. And they were. So imagine this sentiment that comes from that. That level of change, you know, it's, it's almost like when you're in a church and you see three or four people receive Christ, and then of course they're going to get baptized. And then you really see the changes in those people. Well, um, again, put that on a scale of just hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Amen. And that's what, and that's what happens and it. And it also brings out the spirit of individual. You know, it's the individual, it's the focus on the individual receiving salvation. It's not through the confines of the church. And now I will tell you that it's a double edged sword. Some of the confines of the church are going to melt away after this. And that is a double edged sword. You know, there's, there's going to be a lot of good things from that, but there's going to be some other issues that we'll, we could discuss all day about um, and things that we see even now today because the confines of the church have melted away. But that focus on individuals receiving Christ, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, that ideal is going to, that is going to be a game changer. It's Amen. going to be a game changer. It's also, it's, it's sort of a tipping point that we're heading towards the end here. Yeah. In that the Spirit is going to move. And, you know, we're going to see... We're going to see people start prophesying. They're going to see all kinds of things that they would have never imagined. The Wesleyan brothers before this were very methodical. That's why they were called Methodist in their action. It was, it was, it was all about what they did. But when the Holy spirit takes hold of them and they're doing what they're doing, and then you add the power of the Holy spirit to that, that's going to, that's a game changer. That's a change in the way that you express yourself and the power that you get from doing the right thing. Amen. Amen. You know, it's, it's just going to embolden them to do more and to speak with more power, more authority, and obviously in the Holy spirit moving in front of them, right? you know, because at the end of the day, the Holy spirit's the one that makes us happen, not us. Right. And I think that's important to remember. And, and we're going to see that come full, we're going to see that culminate here in this age. And this is important because there's going to be two awakenings. There's actually going to be three. The third one's not going to have the impact that the other two have. So we're going to have the first one, and then we're going to have kind of a period of settling down. And that's where the American revolution happens and all this. And then we're going to form another government. There's going to be another one happen at the very end of like the 1700s. Mm -hmm. And then that's going to start to die off in the mid 1830s. And so, what I want to talk about now is to talk about why, what happens to make that die off. All right. And it is going to lead into the era that we live now. So this is what signifies the
1: end of the sixth church age.
2: Yeah. And it's quick. So if you dial back to the 1830s, the 1830s are going to be a time of immense growth in technological advances in communication and transportation here's what's going to happen so if you dial back to like the war of 1812 and a lot of the things that are going on in europe and a lot of the wars going on people are getting tired of war Mm -hmm. and but these western european powers are still trying to advance and colonize and that still continues on but what's happening is is the People, people are getting left behind. They really are, and and we start getting. And in the United States, after 1820, once the Monroe Doctrine takes effect, United States and Europe kind of become a, two separate entities. Finally, they really do. Europe and U.S. affairs, we become basically neutral to them. You know, we're not going to be involved in theirs. They're not going to be involved in us. And that is a big deal because what's going to happen is, is now we're going to see the total picture of american society start to grow because everybody in america is trying to better themselves Well, when people do that that's when technological advances explode Mm -hmm. because the people you know there's some people trying to make that happen and everybody has the opportunity to do that and you can go back during that time period and watch all these advances and the 1830s is when a lot of this stuff goes mainstream. So here are some of the things that go mainstream. Railroads go mainstream in the United States and then England and then the rest of the world. And and it happens, the United States and England is pretty simultaneous in that. So you'll have some things such as using steam power that will really start to take hold. Well, if we dial back to... 18 and i'm just looking on my list here at 1838 all right the ss Sirius on april 4th to april 22nd and the great western april 8th april to april 23rd are the first steamships to offer passenger service between britain and the united states that's a uh-huh. big deal yeah yeah now we just got people going back and forth and we got steamships yeah. that can carry them fairly quickly mm-hmm. we're not just talking about crossing the continent eventually in the in, with the railroad which eventually will happen in the, in the late 1860s when that finally gets finished and we're going to cut down a six-month trip and make it six days or less. Well, guess what? Now, I mean, we got steamships taking people back and forth from London to the United States. How long was the average England.
1: trip for those
2: steamships? Um, well, from those, the average trip was it would take usually about 14, 15 days. Yeah. and how I long mean, that's was, a lot of time. How long, for how long was long.
1: the sailing trip?
2: That that's like a, a good couple question. Months? I mean, I'd have to go back and look at my dates, yeah. but what, what did the Mayflower take two months? Yeah. 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 It was, I mean, it was brutal. Yep. And, and not if, you got stuck, if
1: you got stuck in one of them dead water areas where there's no wind or anything for a few yeah. days, you're just kind of there, you know? Exactly.
2: Was, and you're trying to, yeah, you got no wind and you're not yep. inside the, uh, you know, the ocean gyre that's moving yep. you. Yeah. Well, steam allows you to plow right plow through some through. of those areas. Yeah. Amen. With no, with no issues. And plus they had sailed so much of that area. They had most of that fairly well, na- uh, you know, Sharded, navigation. Yeah. They knew where they were going.
1: Yep. Amen. So,
2: wow. I mean, yeah. so that happens in 1838. Another thing that happens in 1837, which is a huge year, is for the advancement and the implementation of the telegraph, which now allows people to communicate from long distances.
1: Hmm
2: and then on January 11th 1838, the first public demonstration of the telegraph happens. I mean wow. Yeah. Well also yeah. 1837 you've heard of the company Procter and Gamble, yep. It's founded in Cincinnati, Ohio and that will become the world's largest consumer packaged goods company, which it still uh-huh. is. Yeah. We call them p and I mean mm-hmm. Procter and Gamble is still <laughs> so so imagine the enormity of that. And then in 1838 in May The people's charter is drawn up in the United Kingdom that demands universal suffrage, the right to vote for all citizens, regardless of race, ethnic group or religion in world's most powerful country at that time. And so that that won't necessarily take hold yet, but it now it's it's now rising and being pushed for, which will eventually lead for that uh, for, for suffrage, which is the right to vote will eventually expand. And that will be eventually be accepted in Britain. Well, also, 1838, the first act of women's suffrage. All right, is a the Pitcairn Islands. I'm excuse my way I pronounce that are acquired by Britain and is the first place in the world where women are granted and sustained as being able to vote. Hmm. That'll happen in 1838. Proteins are discovered in 1838. Uh, the two source hypothesis. Hypothesis, which was first articulated in 1838 by Christian Herman Weiss, is a first time of a criticism of the Bible. Now, I'm not talking about making the being critical of the Bible, I'm talking about breaking down theological arguments and being able to use it in a different way. So, you can, and I'm not going to get deep into this, but you guys with apologetics and all of those things, you can dive into that and learn. And actually what he was doing was making the argument for the Bible and its validity, even stronger. And he did that. And that was his goal through this. So you can, you can learn to read about that part of it. Um, You can research on January 9th, the French Academy of Sciences introduced basically photography. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all these things, the steam shovel, 1839, February 24th, 1839, William Otis receives a patent for the steam shovel, the first machine to be used for lifting and moving materials such as rock and soil, used in public works and massive earth projects.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, what what was happening here, and then there's this, now this is the event. Now there, you say, okay, there's all these things, but there's a trigger event here. So the trigger event that switches us from the sixth age of the church, sixth age of the church till now is the coronation of Queen Victoria. Here's why this is. Queen Victoria and her husband, Prince Albert, they are going to bring a monumental shift in the monarch. Monarchs were always about control up to that point. But what's going to happen is society changes. They are going to learn not only to be that stable voice in the government, and obviously promoting Britain and, and the continuation of their government, but they are going to become those first monarchs that really become the voice of the people for, for human rights, those type of things. You can go back and read about, about those two. Okay. And you can read about their uh, queen Victoria's rule and about her husband. I mean, he speaks out against slavery. And I mean, there's all these things that go on and, you know, making conditions better for people who didn't have much, the poor, all those things and, and making working conditions better for them and living conditions. And, um, and I mean, you can go back and read about all this stuff and it's well documented. Obviously yeah. ever so many people have written about them, followed them. That becomes a huge thing. Amen. And it's during this time of this te- and I always kind of find it interesting how the more advanced we become technologically, the more people want to control their own destiny and it just becomes a natural part of what happens. Well, what eventually comes out of all this is that the normal everyday, the normal individual, and we'll have eventually have the middle class rise up and, and usually kind of in the early 1900s that will happen. But the reason this becomes such a big deal is because Normal people are eventually going to get to start to live in a freer way, but not just in freedom from their tyranny of their government, but also in how they conduct their lives. They're not going to be, it's not everything's going to be hand to mouth Mm -hmm. or you're working 17, 18 hours a day, you know, and you're going to be able to live, you know, things are going to become cheaper because of this. Mm There's going to be more appeal to the masses. And as that happens, people are going to live a little more closer to royalty. You're not going to have such a divide between the rich and the kind of in between rich and poor. Mm -hmm. And even, even in our country, poor people, their level of living is going to rise Mm -hmm. from what it was. I mean, it's just going to change. And that really is what brings on the church of Laodicea because what the church of Laodicea is, is it's kind of the lazy church and it's a church of opulence. Mm. Well, Mm -hmm. think about how easy life is for us. I mean, we live it pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. We're, we're, we're all a bunch of Burger King babies. We want it our way and we can have it our way because things are so easy. I mean, you can get on YouTube and figure out how to do anything. Yeah. You know, you can, you can go down to the store for really cheap and buy something that, You can do stuff with, change, build things in a fairly cheap way. Mm -hmm. You know, the way we finance things, it is not hard. The way the government hands out stuff and projects and, you know, through grants and through just giving, it's just, it's just a different society that we live in. And it's not like the rest of the world, the history of the world. You know, we think, look, we live in this and we all think that this is the way it's going to be. And the way it's always been, because that's what we know. Yeah. But it has not always been this way. Mm-hmm. My grandparents told me a little bit different way,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, of how it was. And even for them, it is as bad as the Great Depression was, it wasn't as bad as the way a lot of people lived 300 years before them.
1: Yeah. That's right. Amen. I mean,
2: and so the, just the standard, the basic standards of living are going to completely change in the 1830s. The 1830s is really when the church of Laodicea takes off. Yeah. Hey, Amen. You so, know, my,
1: my grandfather told me, you know, as they raised in Louisiana, moved to Michigan, working at car factories and all that, but uh, they decided they're going to go back and and him and his brother were going to go back to Louisiana, work in the cotton fields, make some extra money, and then come back home. Well, you know, there was no interstate system back in those oh, days, right? And uh, he said, a good day, they might be able to make 25, 30 miles. Wow. <laughs> he said they, they had like six spare tires tied to the car, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he said he could not put a gallon of gas in the gas tank. <laughs> you know? Wow. He tries to squeeze it in. Best he can get is like nine-tenths of a gallon. That's filling it all the way up to the neck. And he goes, and, you know, if they got, uh, like a downhill you know with the wind at their back they may hit 15 16 miles an hour <laughs> wow and uh he said when it started getting dark they just pull over to the side of the road find a tree and that's where they spent the night
2: you know and uh you know, which is why the which is why the train was still a very popular mode of transportation then
1: yeah but you know back depression area you know they didn't even have the money for the train exactly thing. but uh, yeah he said it took them two and a half weeks to get okay. to louisiana you know, wow, and uh, you know, I drove when I was working for Bernard Johnson Ministries. We did a concert in Detroit, and the next day after the concert, I, you know, after the concert that night, I went back to my dad's house, spent the night, got up in the morning, and and drove back to Texas. I was in Texas in twenty four hours, you know. Wow. and here it took him. I was thinking about it as I was driving on the interstate. You know, and it took them two and a half weeks to get down there. <laughs> that's driving all day
2: from sunrise to sunset. (laughs) Wow. Two and a half weeks to drive that far. It's crazy though, isn't it?
1: Yeah. You stop and think about it. And and that's one of the things he told me, you know, before he, you know, we were just sitting around talking this couple of years before he died. He said, I've lived a blessed life. Is I got to see the first car. I got to see the first airplane. I got to see us walk on the moon you know he goes who'd ever thought <laughs> you
2: know? i know wow but that's Just, what technology I mean, yeah. can do you know exactly and that's and the 1830s is what gives way to all that
1: yeah hey, that's why i wanted to relate that in because you know I, I got a firsthand testimony about that you know and, uh, so, yeah praise god so oh, imagine man.
2: somebody imagine this imagine being born and I, i've often wondered so, where would that, where had been the perfect age? Mm. So, somebody who might have been born in the late 1850s, and they actually lived to be like 119, 120,
1: yeah.
2: and had their faculties about them, all right? So, they live, say, from 1850 to 50, we'll say 1852, and they die in 1972, mm. Nineteen seventy-one, and there is a few people that lived that long. Oh wow! Imagine being born right before the Civil War. Yeah, and dying in the nineteen seventies, early seventies. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Imagine what all they saw. Yeah. Amen. I mean, they saw the Civil War. Yeah. And then they saw World War One. Yeah. And, and then they saw World War II. Yep. And the atom bomb. Vietnam. Yep. Planes. Yep. Cars. They saw they were alive for every presidential assassination. Yeah. They were alive for the uh walk on the moon. They were alive while um the world advanced in ways that were, you know, they the first light bulb.
1: Yeah.
2: Amen. <laughs> I mean, not just the first plane, the first light bulb.
1: Yep.
2: You know, it went from kerosene lamps to the light bulbs. I mean Think about all those changes, the interstate system of the 1950s with Eisenhower and what all that. Yeah, I can remember them
1: building the interstate near our house because like, yeah. where our picture window was looked across this open field about mm, the interstate is probably three quarters of a mile, maybe a mile away. And, you know, I mean, I'm I'm like four years old watching these big, you know earth movers and stuff out there you know can't you know i didn't know what they were doing i was just fascinated because they were big trucks <laughs> you know, exactly. exactly but uh you know i remember when they finally opened that stretch of the interstate my grandfather took us in the car we we're gonna drive from where we were at in marysville up to the port here on exit which was about seven miles and he was just so thrilled he could goof you know 50 miles an hour and you know, get up there in 15 minutes or so you know, I know. <laughs> before I mean, it was nah. like, Hey, we're going to go to town. So we'll be back later tonight.
2: <laughs> and that was, yeah. I mean, that's just the way sociologically and culturally, it just created changes that were unimaginable yeah, at that time. Amen. Amen. It amen. did. And so we'll, you know, when we have our next discussion, we'll talk about the seventh age of the church, which is yep. the one we're living in now. And we'll, that may actually take a few episodes (laughs) and then we're going to do, we're going to have one where we talk about a timeline breakdown, which I think is a, a good wrap up to it because it's going to give us some real perspective and it's also going to give us an understanding of how organized God is Yeah, just how, how well he had this planned. Amen. And so I think that's important that we understand that, yeah, but absolutely, at, one of the things we want to make sure that we understand is this, the sixth age of the church is short and it is a spiritual movement for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's a, and it, and it brings about both spiritual and governmental revolutions. Amen. And it changes. I mean, you can go back and look at the founding of all kinds of different, denominations and things of that nature a lot not all but a lot of that is going to come out of this time period
1: yeah amen and so, just uh, to wrap this up give us the time frames again for beginning and end of the sixth church age
2: so it's going to start december 31st 1738 into january 1st 1739 obviously with that with that prayer meeting and it is going to end on uh in 1838 with the coronation of queen Victoria. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Man, Scott, this has been so interesting as usual. And if someone has a question or would like more information or possibly they want to reach out to you, do an interview like this, how do they do that? How can someone get in touch with you?
2: Well, they can obviously go to my uh, uh, email address, GCC God centered concept, 2038 mm-hmm. at gmail.com. That's one way. And they obviously can listen to my podcast. And that information is listed on there as well. The God-centered Amen. concept.
1: Amen. Amen. I'll put links all this in the show notes below. Folks, there's no doubt that we are living in what Jesus and historical Christian scholars have called the end times. And we're working our way through each of the church ages in order to give you a more thorough understanding of how all this fits together into what we're witnessing right now all around us. And, and Scott has a goal of launching this series on a large scale, you know, reaching churches and organizations with this curriculum that will change their churches forever from a simple institution into a movement. Praise God. He's also, as you heard, a podcaster. He has a truly great podcast called god Center Concept. And you need to listen and subscribe to his podcast. Praise God. And he's also published a journal called god Center Concept Journal, Making God's Word my ways. I urge you to drop down on the show notes, click the links right there, order his book. Be sure to subscribe to his podcast. And Scott, I want to thank you for taking the time to come back on the program today and share all about the sixth age of the church. I do appreciate it, brother. And thank you, Bob. Amen, folks. That's all the time we have for today. For Scott Wright, myself, passed by, reminding to be blessed in all that you
0: do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.